I'm glad you chose to be here, and I'm glad uh, to be with you back again. I missed you last Sunday. I was away. I was um, at a pastor's uh, retreat. Uh, it was uh, incredibly life-changing. I, I can't wait to, to share with you more about that. Um, it was in- incredible. I just I, All I can say is that God had a, a preordained a time for me to go. It was supposed to go a year ago. Didn't happen. Didn't work out. Um, but... Um, as God would have it, uh, he would bring me last week, and um, boy, I was more ready than ever to need to be there, and God brought me there, and uh, it was just huge. So thank you for, for allowing me the opportunity to be away, but thank you to Pastor Corey for uh, sharing last week's message. Uh, what a great job you did on that talk, uh, and, um, and just uh, challenge us all. Uh, you're right, you delivered a statement that I don't think I ever would have preached about, but um, you know, don't, what do you mean don't tithe? You know, as a pastor, you don't say that, but... Um, <laughs> But uh, no, but I think you did a really good job helping us understand how the, the t- um, that our giving is really connected to our heart. Such an important piece. And, um, and so today we're going to finish our, our series. And, and if, if you've been a part of our church very long, you'll know that, um, you know, I, I don't do message talks and, and series on giving on, uh, very often. It's not, a, a, not something we do very often here. And so um, if you're visiting us, with us for the first time or for the first time in a long time, uh, and you show up and we're doing a giving talk, I know there's a tendency inside the heart uh, of, of a guest maybe to go, oh boy, we walked in on the wrong Sunday. And so, uh, and I want to encourage you that um, today's message isn't, isn't um, intended to guilt anyone or to make anyone feel a certain way about, about money, but God's Word does talk about money and it's important for us to deal with it. And for the last few weeks, we've been dealing with that and coupling that with a financial seminar in the evening teaching us how to handle our money, how to get out of debt. Uh, the first week, second week, how to live within our means. And then tonight, our, our last workshop is really how to leave a legacy with our, uh, with our lives and our giving, because it's not just about accumulation in our life. It's really about what do we do with our lives? How can we leave, leave a legacy? And I want to say thank you to Steve Miller and to Sally Miller, um, who've done an, uh, a masterful job at putting together that content for us. And if you've participated in those classes, you know that it's really been great content for us. Uh, it's been rich content and helpful content. Uh, and so I'm really grateful that we have such caliper um, of leaders in our church with financial sound minds. Uh, they're not selling anything. They're here to really help us and to give us practical help. And so uh, I pray today will be a message that will be uh, inspiring to you and helpful as we talk about generosity, uh, not in, the, in, a, in a tithing way, but in just your life. And how can we live to be generous people? Because uh, at, at the bottom line, the core of who we all are, there is a desire in us to be generous. Whether you have the capacity to be or not, there's something inside of us that wants to be, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But before I do, I want to ask you to, um, to really give serious consideration to be a part of our marriage night, which is coming up uh, this Friday night. Uh, if you haven't made plans to do that and you're a married couple um, or thinking about getting married, I really encourage you to be a part of that night. Seating is limited, and so uh, you want to make sure you're RSVP, and we're going to serve you a nice meal and dessert, and we've got some great live music that's, up, that's planned, just easy listening music, uh, stuff that you would, you would expect to hear when you go to dinner or the dinner date with your, with your bride, um, and so you'll be able to hang out and just enjoy a nice night out. Um, if you have children and you want child care, you got to pay a little bit more for that because it is a fundraiser that that, that goes to, but for 30 bucks, dinner and a dessert, you can't beat it. I think it's going to be a great night. And we're talking about for better or worse, because um, in marriage, we all get married expecting uh, everything to go be hunky-dory, um, but sometimes life is tough. 
and we get handed difficult circumstances. And so you'll hear from my wife and I as we're navigating some difficult things, but you'll also hear from John and Elaine Ayan, um, who have been through some very hard things in their life, um, but through God's perspective are allowing us to shape and to see and understand how to navigate and how to look back upon some of those hard things and see what God's taught us. And so um, it's going to be a great weekend, and so I hope that you'll be a part of that. Big week with First Cup, Base Camp, and Marriage Night, uh, a lot of opportunity to get connected and to grow in your faith. And so, so that's, that's what's happening this week, but, but for now, let's dive into our last topic on, um, on our finance series on generosity. So write this down in your message notes, uh, and you're going to fill this in. Uh, I'll give you part of a phrase now, and later we're going to complete this phrase, but the first part of the phrase starts off like this that we are all born selfish. Write that down somewhere in your notes. We are all born selfish. You don't believe me? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Have you ever had a baby in your house? (laughs) Babies could care less about your needs. All they want is for you to take care of their needs. The middle of the night feedings and whether you need sleep or whether you've gotten sleep or whether you have to go to work at 8 o'clock in the morning, they could care less. They need your attention and they want it now. And God has designed babies with a, an ability to cry at such a tone, all right, that there's no ignoring that tone. Isn't it interesting how God designed a baby's cry at such a tone that it just grades against the human ear and it just, you're just like, I got to do something about that. And then that same tone morphs into toddlers, and as the, as the baby turns into a toddler, uh, we know that the baby, uh, the first four-letter word a child ever learns, now it's not profanity, but it, it's just as bad in my opinion, the first four-letter word that a toddler ever learns is what? My. My, everyone knows it. How is it possible? How is it possible? But, 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 but let's, can, can I hear how you would say the word, how a toddler would say, how do they say the word mine? Mine! Mine! It is the most annoying sound on the human, on on, on planet Earth, isn't it not? There's something about the way a toddler can say the word mine that will absolutely send you into a very dark place as an adult. (laughs) And, And there is a place that every parent comes to where they don't care anymore about justice and they don't care anymore about what's fair, there is a place that gets so dark in a parent's mind that they only care about peace and quiet, that they will do whatever it takes to stop that noise. I remember when my twin daughters were little, and they were trying to take something away from Seth, and I just heard this violent, mine, mine, happening from the other room, and and I, and, I, and, I, and I go in there because I have to, because the noise. And I can see my son, and he's just, and it's clearly, you know, his, I can see. It's a boy's toy, you know. And he's like, Dad. And I said, just give it to him. <laughs> and he's like, but, but it's mine. I said, yeah, they have a lot of stuff that's mine too. You'll get over it. <laughs> just, just, just give it to him. Just stop the noise, you know? <laughs> we are all born selfish. Isn't it true? But in all seriousness, there is a selfishness that men never grow out of, ever. And, and I'll just say it because I want to help 
every one of us guys here. And I want to help you ladies too, because it's important that I think you know this. Because, and, and it may be unpopular to say it, but I, I feel like, I mean, I don't know. I may regret it, but hopefully not. <laughs> so ladies, please hear me. Speaking on behalf of all men, I mean, I mean it, all men, every guy, this is, this is an issue for every one of us. There's a selfishness that every man deals with. And speaking on behalf of men everywhere, here's what it is. We do not want to share our food with you. Come on. When, when we're at a restaurant and you say, what are you ordering, honey? We know what you're talking about. I've always wanted to try that. Well, you better order one yourself. I don't, I don't know. Janice said, we go somewhere, and I've been trying to lose weight. And she's like, would you like to split something? We've been together. We've been married 26 years. What makes you think I want to split something? Why don't you order what you want? I'll order what I want, and you can take your food home, and I'll eat the rest of yours when I get home. <laughs> Come on, right, men? Your wife's leftovers are like incredibly blessings when you get home the next day. It's, not, it's fair game. Although one of my daughters ate something that belonged to me out of the refrigerator the other day, and it's on. I'm just telling you. <laughs> it's, it's on. We're all born selfish, and selfishness is really just a type of greed, isn't it? Jesus calls it out in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. We're going to look at this in context, but here's the key verse of what he says. He says, beware, guard against every type of greed. Life cannot be measured by how much you own. Life is not just how much you have or how much you've acquired or how much you've accumulated. It's about what you and I do with that money or that what we have once we have it. Jesus is telling us that we got to guard against greed. It's, life is so much more than just what we have. I want you to write this down in your notes. There are no inspiring stories in the Bible about accumulation or in life in general. Just think about your life in general. There are no inspiring stories about accumulation. Think about people that you know that have a lot who are just brag about it. Yeah, I have a ton of stuff and I just store it everywhere. I got so much money, I burn it. You know, I mean, that, I mean there's just that, that's not inspiring when people have, 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 and have. There are no inspiring stories about accumulation, but there are countless inspiring stories in God's word and in life about generosity and about sacrifice. Isn't that true? There's something about that that motivates us. There's something about that that inspires us. There's something about that that just really speaks to our heart. And so Jesus warns about the foolishness of accumulation apart from generosity in a parable that in God's word, in your Bible, it might even label it the parable of a rich fool. And so let's look at the parable. This is where he talks about warning about greed. And so Luke chapter 12, verse 13, this is the context of that passage or that verse that we just read. He says, then someone called out from the crowd. So Jesus is in the middle of teaching, to put it in kind of a frame of your thinking. Jesus is preaching a sermon. And in the middle of that, like somebody just kind of burst in and with a problem. And here's the problem. Teacher, please tell my brother, mine, okay, to divide our father's estate with me. This is basically what happened. Mine, he, tell him to give me what belongs to me. 
And Jesus said, friend, what, what, who made me judge over you guys to decide what th- something like this? And then he says, Be- beware, guard against every kind of greed, because life's not measured by how much you own. Jesus knew something was going on behind the scenes here, because in fact, there was already a law about what they're arguing about. The older brother should get two-thirds of the estate, the, brother, the younger brother would get a third. And so this was not just a legal matter, there was, this was a heart matter, and Jesus was calling it out. There was something deeper going on, and Jesus understood it. It was a battle for greed. And so Jesus begins to tell this story, this parable, which your Bible would call the parable of the rich fool. And so here's the story. He said, there was a rich man who had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, talking to himself, the rich man says, well, what should I do? I don't have room for all these crops. That's a good problem to have, right? I mean, you're, you're just producing over, like, hand and fist, just you're, you know, crops like everywhere. And then he says to himself, I, I, have this, I know what I'll do. I have a great idea. I'll, 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 I'll tear down my barn, and, and I'll build a bigger barn. And then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and every, all of my goods. You see the accumulation? He's like, I, I have so much, I don't know what to do with it, so let me just make a bigger barn and, and store more. And then I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, this is so funny to me, the, the turn of the words here, and then I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, he doesn't have any friends, I guess he has to say to himself, my friend. I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, talking to himself, you have enough stored away for years to come. I'll take it easy and eat and drink and be merry. Not quite an inspiring story, is it? Have you ever been around a rich person who flaunts or gloats about their abundance? It's not something I want to be around. It kind of makes me sick. That person lacks friends because they lack generosity. They lack humility. So notice what God says. But God said to him, you're a fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? He's saying you can't take it with you, basically. He's saying your hard work will eventually go to someone who didn't, who, who, who didn't even work for it. So all this stuff that you've done, who's going to get it after all? And then Jesus says something that, boy, I think we all need to pay attention to. He says, yes, a person, who, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Again, there's that heart issue Pastor Corey talked about last week, is that that wealth can be such a God to us that it takes away our need for God. We trade one for the other. That earthly wealth compared to our relationship with God. Those that have earthly wealth that understand the relationship with God always understand generosity, and it's a beautiful thing that works together. And typically, and you probably know people like this, that have earthly wealth and a strong relationship with God and generosity, and it just seems like for some reason God continues to bless them and continues to bless them. And you know why God continues to bless them? Because they figured it out. Because their God is not their money. Their relationship with God is far greater than their relationship with money. It's a simple principle. Jesus is trying to teach us that principle. And then he turns to his disciples and he starts talking about God's provision and as it relates to worry. He says, well, let me tell you guys something. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than just food and clothes for your body. 
Look at the ravens. He points out the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns, but God feeds them. You're far more valuable to Him than any bird. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, like food or clothing, (laughs) what's the use of worrying over the big things? You see, Jesus is teaching something really subtle here, but, it, but the more I began to think about it, the more profound it began to be to me that, that greed and worry are really closely related, is that greed is saying that I can never have enough. I got to keep getting. I got to keep getting. I got to accumulate. I got to accumulate. So greed is I can never have enough. That's the voice inside my head when I'm a greedy person. But worry says there will never be enough. I'm afraid that there will never be enough. Do you see the difference? Jesus is trying to talk to both those audiences. Both are wrong thinking. Both thinking are taking your eyes off of God as the provider and putting your eyes onto man and yourself. Greed says, there's never going to be enough, never going to be enough, never going to be enough. Worry says, I'm afraid there's never, that, 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 I mean, greed says, I'll never have enough, rather. Worry says, I'll never be enough. There'll never be enough. God wants us to fix our eyes on him for our provision. He's Jehovah Jireh. That's where our contentment comes with in week one. So greed and worry, Jesus is trying to teach us about. And then he points to the lilies of the field, how they grow in verse 27. Look at the lilies. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they were. He was a very rich man, as we know. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire or burned up in the sun, he's saying... Tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat or what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but your Father already knows your needs. So he gives us a prescription. Seek ye first the kingdom of God above all else, and he'll give you everything that you need. You may have memorized it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The Father cares for your needs. This weekend, I had the pleasure of listening to Pastor Jim Cimbala, the pastor from the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York and Brooklyn. He was speaking to Idlewild on Friday night. I don't know if any one of you had participated in that, but he was talking about worry. And he was describing how worry is likened it to sin and, and, and was just challenging us not to worry. And, 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 and his metaphor for worry was like, you know, if your children were at school and they weren't doing well at school and their social worker was to talk to your kids and find out that the reason that they weren't performing well in school is because they're just so eaten up with worry. They were afraid they weren't going to have a meal tonight or a place to sleep or clothes to wear. And they would end up calling mom and dad at home and then setting up a school interview and sitting down with you as mom and dad to say, listen, your kids are afraid that they're not going to have a meal tonight or clothes to wear or, uh, um, you know, or, you know, just all their basic needs met, you know. How would that make you feel, mom and dad? And, and inside your heart, you would, you would be upset. You would be hurt. You'd be probably a little angry because inside your heart, you're thinking, I give them everything, here in our culture specifically, is that I know that you as a good parent want to give good gifts, but you're always are making sure that at least you go without before your kids do. 
And so we have a loving God who is constantly meeting our needs. I want you to raise your hand if God's been faithful to you in times of need in your life. Yeah, you see, we know that, right? But yet somehow in the midst of a hard season, we think that maybe this is going to be the time that God's not going to come through for us. Just like your parents have always provided for you, and just like you as good parents are providing for your kids, God is waiting for you to rely on him in the same way that you want your kids to rely on you for those basic sets of needs. Jesus is trying to teach that here in this example. He's trying to offer us a better way. He's saying, forget worry. Forget greed. Forget the fact that I'll never have enough or that there'll never be enough. Just seek first God's kingdom and let your loving Father provide for you. And in fact, he'll give you enough for your needs, and then he'll give you enough to be generous to others. If you get that right, he'll allow you to be generous to others. And then he teaches about generosity. He says, so don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives the Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Here's the generosity part. Sell your possessions and give it to those in need. And this will store up treasures for you in heaven, which is hard to understand, but this is what it is. And the, and the, and the purses of heaven never get old and develop holes. How crazy, how cool. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will be also. Just another passage similar to what you looked at last week. So I want you to write this down in your notes because you're a child of God, right? For those that are Christians in the room, you're a child of God. And you can seek first the kingdom of God, right? And by seeking first the kingdom of God, all your needs will be met. And enough to be even generous. And so we wrote down earlier that we are born selfish Now I want you to finish the sentence. But we are reborn generous. We are born selfish, but we are reborn generous. God's word teaches us in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That means your old life, that selfish life, has been crucified with Christ. It no longer lives. Now you have a new life that has been given to you, and it's a new life that is now reflects the generous heart of the Father. It's a beautiful heart. It's a generous heart. It's rich in mercy. It's abounding in love. It has unending grace. It's a Jehovah Jireh heart. It's a provider heart. And the God who provides for you will also use you to be generous to provide for others. It's beautiful what God has given to us. So what classifies a generous gift? Is it the cost? No. We know that's not true. It's the sacrifice. What it costs us, not financially, sometimes potentially, but what it's cost us in our heart. My grandmother was dirt poor. She had, no, not, she had nothing. But every Christmas and every birthday, I had a present That meant so much to me because she gave from a generous heart. And it wasn't just for me. It was for my sisters as well. And everyone in our family got a gift from grandmother. I don't know how she did it. She must have really sacrificed other things in order for her to make those ends meet. Do you have somebody in your life like that that's done that to you and you just like, you almost feel guilty taking the present? You're like, man, that costs something for them. 
Have you ever received a gift from your children and you know they aren't, they're not employed? They've been saving like Christmas money or birthday money and then they bought you something and you're like, oh my gosh, like what did you just do? Like you just gave me like, this cost way too much money. But the smile on their face, knowing that they're giving you a good gift meant so much and you receive it and you feel almost bad receiving it. You've been there. I can see faces nodding because you know what I'm talking about. There's something about the sacrifice. Have you ever had an unemployed friend do something for you? Maybe bring you a baked good or make a meal for you, and you're just thinking, man, what a sacrifice, what a joy. Their level of sacrifice was more inspiring and meaningful than the gift itself, wasn't it? That's what generosity is. Hebrews 13, 16 talks about that those type of sacrifices pleases the Lord. It says, and don't forget to do good. And to share with those in need, because these are the sacrifices that pleases God. I don't know about you, but I want to please God in this way. Are you a generous giver? You were born selfish, but you are reborn generous. Have you ever experienced what it's like to give a generous gift to someone? To where it hurts, it's sacrificial, yes. But you gave in such a way that it was like, I know God asked me to do that. There's a joy that's associated with that. It's a joy that you can't explain. And so my challenge to you this week, and the reason I think God wanted me to place this message before us, is to challenge each Christian that's listening to the sound of my voice to put a generosity challenge in front of you this week, to ask God to help you be irrationally generous this week. Who is it that God would have you demonstrate generosity that would match a sacrificial generosity to? Is it a friend? Is it a church member? Is it a total stranger? Are you to buy someone's groceries in a checkout line? Are you to fill up someone's car at a gas pump? Are you to give a generous tip to a waitress that you've built a relationship with over a period of time? Are you to do something for one of your employees that you just know that there's something going on and you're supposed to be the one to help out? Is there a total stranger that you're supposed, that you come in contact with and God says, there's the one? Who is it that God is going to lay on your heart? And will you pray and ask God for the opportunity because there's something that will happen to you when you have the opportunity to be generous and you say yes to that opportunity. There's something that happens inside of us that touches and connects with the Father's heart that's in you, and it just brings a level of joy that you cannot fabricate any other way. You can't manufacture it, but you can access it only through generosity. And Oh, I pray that you can find that out. And so this morning, I want to do a simple illustration to kind of demonstrate what generosity looks like and how it feels. So I want to bring a couple people on stage from some, I'm going to draft a couple people out here, and so I'm going to pick some people kind of close, if that's okay. So um, let me draft um, Peter Williams. How about you? And um, let's see who else we want to bring up here on stage. So See who else we're gonna pick on. We're gonna pick on this morning, and bring up on stage here. 
I don't know. I'm not sure who I want to bring up here. Steve, who's behind you in the dark there? Come on up here. It's Robin. Oh, okay. Hey, Robin. Hey, welcome. How's that feel to be pulled up on stage, huh? It's fine. Oh, gosh. Here we go. Hey, Robin, why don't you stand over here? All right. Get the microphone. Hello, Robin. Hi. Is your microphone on? Say hi to everybody. Hi. <laughs> Are you uncomfortable? It's, it's fine, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Here, I'm Peter. Here, Peter. Why don't you guys get closer so I don't have to go so far away? So, um, what I want to do this morning, Robin, you don't realize this, but as I, we were just, I just decided we're going to bless you this morning, okay? So we're just going to, we're going to bless you. We're going to give you a gift this morning. Generosity, we're trying to put this, this into play. So this morning, we're going to give you a gift. So the only problem is I forgot my wallet. And so I'm going to ask Peter, so do you have, do you have any money on you today? If you have some money. So if you could just pull out, you have some, oh, good, so he's got some money. Okay, so how much, how much money do you have? Let's see. Let's see how much money you got. This is a bad day to bring cash to church. <laughs> how much money do you how much? About a hundred dollars. He's got a hundred dollars. Okay. Whoops. <laughs> so Peter, now you don't have to give every bit of your money to to Robin, but I, I, what I want you to do is make the decision as to how much money that um, you feel like, from a generosity perspective, that you would want to give to Robin this morning. I mean, just think everyone's watching. And, and, God, and God is watching, too. Okay, I'm going to give it all. Wow! Thank you. You're how, does that, how does that feel? Um, kind of catches me off guard. Don't really know how to react to it. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. But do you think that Peter was going to give you everything in his pocket? No, I didn't. not really. I didn't either, to be quietly honest. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm pretty, pretty impressed with that. So Peter, was that, what, was that, what did that feel like to, to give her everything in your pocket? It felt pretty good just because, I mean, I don't think she was expecting it. And so it was, it was good to see this, the reaction on her face. That's good. Yeah, it felt good. So was it hard to give that money? A little bit, but it wasn't that bad because you gave it to me backstage earlier. <laughs> and so I thought about keeping some of it, but I just decided not to. Do you see the point of the metaphor? Now, this is important to catch. The reason that Peter could be generous is because it wasn't his money in the first place. Did you hear me? Are you hearing what I'm saying? The reason that you and I can be generous is if we understand whose money it is in the first place that you and I have, generosity comes a whole lot easier. And when God says, hey, why don't you give it away? What does that mean? And there's a biblical principle that you and I know really well. We've talked about it here so much over the course of my ministry. And that is when we are faithful with what God gives us, what does God do? He always entrusts us with more, doesn't he? And so Peter doesn't know this part of the story. 
but you actually get $100 too. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. How does that feel? It feels pretty good. That's a pretty exciting part of the story. Yeah. You don't expect that, do you? No. How does that make you feel knowing that he just gave to be obedient to God and he just got blessed in return? feels good knowing that he did something that he didn't really, you know, maybe thought he wanted to do in the first place and was a little questionable about it, but then realized if he just does it and goes with it, something good might come in the end of it. Amen. Give these guys a big applause. Thank you. Thank you, guys. After service, I'd like to see both of you get that back. Um, <laughs> do you see the beauty of that, folks? Is that I hope that preaches to you better than the things I've said to you today. Is that receiving is hard. Have you ever been on the receiving end of someone's generosity and you're like, ah, oh, I can't take it, I can't take it, I can't take it, I can't take it. You don't want to rob the blessing of someone who's being obedient to God, do you? Because you know that if they're faithful with what God's telling them to do, what's going to happen to them? Because if I'm faithful to do with what God's given, if God's given me, everything I have, God's given me. And if I'm faithful to be a good steward of what God's given me, he's going to give me more. And so what I do know is that with both Peter and with both Robin, is that they're going to be faithful with what's been given to them. And they're going to listen to what I say today about generosity, and they're going to go, I'm going to be generous. Because generosity was just bestowed upon me, and I want to do that again. Did you see? Did you see the? I mean, this was not scripted. The only thing that was scripted was that I gave Peter money backstage and said, "Don't count the money in your pocket until we get up on stage." He had no much. He had no idea how much money he had in his pocket. He had no idea what was going to be told and how much he had to do. That was a live decision he had to make up on the stage, and I didn't know if he was going to give her twenty bucks or what. I didn't know if the whole metaphor was going to be blown. Okay, <laughs> I'm up here just like going, "Here we go. Here we go." Don't let me down, you know. I ain't giving her none. I'm not going to give her nothing. <laughs> Have a good day, you guys. I'll see you later. But, but the point is, is that did you see that Peter, he made the decision, and it was like a little bit of a free fall, but he's like, you know what? It's just the right thing to do, right? But then all of a sudden, his joy was complete. His joy was full, and he couldn't manufacture the joy that came when God returned the gift back to him, right? You can't manufacture that. I want that to happen for every single one of you. Now, will it happen real time like that? No. Will you be able to connect the dots? Yes, probably eventually. But man, I pray that if you will experience and pray and ask God, he's going to connect the dots for you. Would you ask God to do that in your life? I pray that you certainly, certainly will. If you're faithful with what God gives you, he will continue to entrust you with more and another opportunity to be able to be generous with someone else. Ephesians 5 says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered Himself as a sacrifice for us and a pleasing offering for God. There's no greater act of generosity that was ever given to the world than when God demonstrated His love for us by sending Jesus Christ to die for us. The greatest act of generosity ever. For those Christians that are here today, you've accepted that gift. But for those that are listening to the sound of my voice in this room or online today, that have never prayed to ask Jesus Christ to be your forgiver and your leader, today is your opportunity to do that. 
you have the chance to receive a gift that is free and it is huge. The ability to have your sins forgiven, which means this, not just sins forgiven. That doesn't sound maybe so, so big, but here's the deal, is that your sins, if left on you, will send you for an eternity to hell. And that's terrible. But you know what's even harder for you right now is walking around on earth weighted down by guilt and shame of all the past sins you've done. Chances are that your sins and your life and the mistakes you've made are products of things that have probably happened to you and things that have, you've experienced in your life, things that you probably have, didn't deserve, didn't earn, and I'm sorry for the things that happened to you, but there are things that you've also done in your life that have been, unfortunately, your choice. And those sins and those mistakes and that guilt and that shame is saddled to you like heavy bags with rocks in them. And you carry them around and you pray that no one else ever discovers what you've seen and done and been a party to. Unfortunately, God knows and everybody knows that from a, from a heavenly perspective, it is known, it's sitting on you, but it can be forgiven and erased today if you would simply just come to Christ and say, will you forgive me? And he says, I will. But you have to put your faith in him and your trust in him and ask him to be your forgiver and your leader and surrender your life to him. And it's easy to do in terms of confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart, but the surrendering your life is, it's a little more difficult. But this morning as we sing our final song, a song about surrender, it's a song where you say, I make myself available to you, where I say, you can have it all. This is your opportunity to say, I'm ready to take that next step. And if you come forward during this final song, you're going to meet one of our leaders and, and we're going to give you a book about, about what it means that Jesus, what he did for you. He's your savior. And we want you to know what it means to have a savior, a forgiver, a leader. And we're going to give you a new believer's Bible as well. And that new believer's Bible will tell you what you, when you put your faith in him and how you can learn to walk out that faith with him. You're not going to just leave here with, just, with, with no information. We're going to, you're going to leave here changed and equipped. And we'll walk alongside you and help you on those next steps. But it's up to you to make that step. If you're watching at home, you can text the word surrender to 97000. The word surrender again to 97000. Oh, we pray that you'll do those things. Don't miss the opportunity to say yes to Jesus Christ. So our invitation is twofold. One is to say yes to Jesus and two for my church family to ask God to help you be a person of generosity. You were born selfish, but you were reborn generous. If you're still wrestling with selfishness, right now I want you to say, God, here I am. You can have it all. Give me an opportunity this week to be generous. Would you do that? I want you to stand with me. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be able to open your word and to see from Scripture, Lord, the truth about what you offer to us. Thank you, God, for teaching us today that there are no inspiring stories about accumulation, but that your word is full of stories about generosity. And Father, that's what we want to be. We want to be a, a group of people that are generous. And so today, Lord, I pray that you would teach us to have that generous spirit. I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that are here in the room today that have never placed their faith and trust in you, that they would get over that tension, Lord, of walking an aisle and coming forward and talking to someone, that they would just be willing to do that, God. 
because we're not here to embarrass them. We're just here to help them because ultimately I don't want them to walk around with all this sin hanging on them when there's such an easy way for them to let it go by trusting you. Today, God, let today be the day that they experience what it's like to have real life change through Jesus Christ. Oh, God, man, let today be the day. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Let's sing together.